I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast by the Takshashila Institution. We are a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like bringing fresh perspectives to Indian affairs and Indian perspectives to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Things Policy. I'm Manoj Kewalramani, and today I have with me my colleagues Nishita Suresh and Rohan Seth. And we're going to be talking about the impact of the coronavirus outbreak, the pandemic. We're all in lockdown right now, so we're going to talk about the economic impact of all of this. And is everything doom and gloom going forward? Um, we've seen over the last couple of weeks that there has been tremendous volatility in the markets in India over the last month. BSE Sensex has gone from roughly around forty thousand to. 26 27000 and that's that's meant a lot of wealth has been wiped out but rohan and nishita did an op-ed recently in which they were essentially saying that uh, look it's not that the world economy is doomed it's not like the outbreak is completely ruined everything there are still winners and losers so we'll try and sort of delve into this a bit so before we sort of go into more details rohan can you just tell us exactly what is it that you're arguing in the op-ed what is the argument that you're making sure so the main argument uh, in the op-ed was that it's i wouldn't say it's wrong to say that the world economy is doomed but at the same time don't say it uh, specifically because there are two problems with that firstly it's an it's sort of an understatement right because it's just it's just so screwed but at the same time when we say that the world economy is doomed we we lose a lot of nuance because we've abstracted this to a level where it's it's very hard to to say what what exactly is doomed so we've sort of tried to identify what sectors are winners and what sectors are losers what companies are better equipped to deal with this uh, this uh, pandemic so we start talking about it and and we realize that there are companies um, who are a lot better suited to dealing with this uh, pandemic so for example i think we started uh, i don't know if you remember manoj but we, i think earlier last month we we had a an all hands meeting and as talking about what company has gained the most from coronavirus and this was in the early days and uh, across the office uh, people said google uh, they said netflix and uh, without a lot of reasons to back it up right because they essentially said there will people will stream more stuff like this but uh, so the answer to to that was zoom because zoom has gained a lot it, it's its share price has increased a lot and its stock has increased so it's very interesting how this hive mind operates and this means that let's say tech companies are, are better equipped to deal with something of this nature of this scale so uh, the op-ed specifically says that don't say the world economy is doomed whenever you say something add a little bit nuance to it and say that why this particular sector is facing the issues it is and how can it cope so on and so forth so yeah so i think the broad argument is that yes it's i mean there is a there is an impact on everybody but there will be winners and losers and yeah. uh, for the example of zoom that you're giving is essentially uh, it's a platform which is suited to online conversations online engagements meetings and so on and so forth and given the current environment where we have to social distance it's likely to you know become far more useful because people are going to gravitate towards it because that's the only way where you're going to have these office conversations or even you know 
chats with your friends and get togethers uh, you know with multiple people sitting and sharing i mean i've known lots of people who've gotten back with their old school friends groups of you know 20 25 years ago uh, and had a zoom party of sorts so in that sense it's suited for this environment right yeah something like zencaster <laughs> that we're using to record a podcast <laughs> using right now it's, exactly. it's a such a live example right? zencaster is probably doing really well right now Okay, Nishita, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, with the given pandemic, there are the losers and the winners. So if you're playing good cop and bad cop right now, uh, wait, let me just uh, do the good cop first. So along with Zencaster, I think there are also these other apps like House Party is one of them, where you basically do videos and you play games and things like that. So a lot of these apps and the startups are uh, gaining a lot of momentum, and it's a good time for them. But also for the big companies itself, it's not going really good, like for Facebook, or Google, or Apple. Because if you look at Apple, its uh, supply chain runs through China, and it is—it has already been severely uh, impacted. So this is having mostly a ripple effect on a lot of other companies also. And if you also look at the gig economy around the world, or especially in developing countries, uh, the contract workers versus permanent job workers, it has a lot of impact on the gig uh, economy workers. And uh, this is not going to be easy uh, for most of the countries. So yeah. The other sort of interesting thing that there exists is so I mean tech companies you can classify them into different categories, right? One is uh, platforms yeah. which are providing a certain kind of service. Uh, which don't necessarily have deep supply chain dependence or manufacturing dependence and things like that, which are probably uh, much more suited to be able to take advantage of these things. And therefore, I would say something like a Netflix, yeah. you know, any of these entertainment platforms, uh, because you are essentially providing a service as opposed to providing a tangible physical product. Therefore, the Apple example that Nishita gave, right, that Apple uh, would be reliant on its supply chain across the world, not just in China, but China is essentially where you're going to do much of the bulk manufacturing. Those guys are going to get challenged, but folks who are providing services are not going to get challenged. The next uh, thing is, if you look at companies beyond tech, and you look at traditional companies which are doing manufacturing, which are providing goods, which are providing network solutions, in that also again maybe this framework can apply. Companies which are providing services and solutions and consultancies would probably do better, but companies which are doing tangible goods, which are dependent on a lengthy supply chain, would probably struggle. Would you agree with that? Yes, broadly, but with uh, exceptions. So. I think if we let's look at it this way, right? There is a company in any sector that has huge fixed costs. It's going to suffer because the business will have to sort of slow down slash shut down, and you wouldn't have a lot of demand coming in, but you still have to pay those fixed costs to maintain your business, right? But if you can quickly scale up or scale down, uh, if you have lower fixed costs and and higher variable costs, it, it's easier to navigate through this. So. Let's say a lot of people have been saying that maybe Uber doesn't make it through this pandemic, right? Um, because drivers don't don't get a lot of rights these days uh, because of the lockdowns. And so the idea here is that Uber has raised a lot of money and it can quickly scale down. There's every chance that Uber is going to survive this, as is Ola. At the same time, you say, and so the exceptions part that I was talking about earlier before. Um, so Amazon, let's say, has huge supply chains uh, and complex delivery networks, right? And There's a reason to say that Amazon will not survive this, uh, but it's just too big. It has almost infinite capital, and and we see that it has sort of modified according to the times. So Amazon has basically uh, suspended the de- delivery of everything that is non-essential. And we had the we had the Prime Minister's speech yesterday in which he announced a 21-day lockdown. And you see, uh, 
soon after that, the, one of the ministries has said that the delivery of essential commodities to e-commerce sectors classifies as an essential service. So even in a business like Amazon, which has huge like, fixed costs, uh, they, they would still survive because they are operational in delivering essential goods and goods and services. So yeah. Yeah, I agree with what Rohan is saying, and I think it depends on what company you are and what kind of costs um, are affecting you at the moment. But I still think if this is going to be a norm, if uh, for the next at least three weeks, companies will uh, get into a format where uh, they will find a way around it, just like how all of us are trying to find a way around working from home in itself. So I don't think, in the larger sense, it's wrong to say that it's going to be gloomy for everybody. And even if yeah. it's going to be gloomy, it's going to be gloomy for everybody together. Okay, so we've we've moved away from the optimism to saying that it is going to be gloomy. But the other sort of thought that I had was, and this is, I was having a conversation with a friend recently who works with a large consumer goods multinational uh, F and B company, and. His uh, view was that, look, we have a massive supply chain in the U.S. and we have a massive delivery network in the U.S. And, you know, where we uh, are sort of delivery capacity, our sort of just the transport capacity that we have outstrips UPS, FedEx and all of that in the U.S. Um, and therefore, our objective right now is to just make sure that stores are stocked uh, because we are seeing large scale buying happening at a very early stage. Um our objective is to keep stores stocked and uh, in that process within sort of by early march we've already doubled our quarterly uh, you know targets and therefore the objective is right now just keep so in that sense it depends on how long these lockdowns last if these lockdowns last for a period of say 2 3 4 months and you know and things still seem difficult then even you know whoever is gaining particularly even these kinds of companies which are providing essential supplies will start to suffer because you can scale down for a certain period of time. Uh, after a certain point of time, once you scale down for a lengthy period of time, it becomes very difficult because you will have to end up cutting costs further. You'll have to end up uh, hitting other people's incomes and that will create a ripple effect. But if you can scale down for a limited period of time, there are sort of, you will bear certain op- uh, certain costs, but you, can still, you will still survive. You will not be really bad off, bad. But on the other hand, because of the sort of, early sort of stress and people panic buying and doing those sorts of things. Uh, there are lots of companies that have also made sort of serious profits in the lead up to whatever could be a shutdown for many countries, right? Yeah, I think you, you pointed out something really interesting here because companies with FMCGs uh, and you know, stuff like sanitizers, all of this, um, right now, because people are holding, people are panic buying, a lot of countries are going to lockdown. And if this, let's say, lasts for 21 days, um, 30 days, it's still manageable because... Because supply chains haven't been you know, that impacted yet. But it's going to be interesting to see how these companies cope after these 30, 30 days. What if this, um, these lockdowns are extended to another two months? It's going to be extremely interesting to, I mean, I, I'm saying interesting, but it, th- these companies are going to suffer. Because they can't essentially like, scale down as much. And that's where the fixed cost framework comes in, right? Um, with, with the supply chains sort of you know, uh, stagnating, we, we'll see that companies will... Know, begin entering into losses and even though you know people have met their already quarterly targets and so on and so forth because uh, so much of stuff has been panic bought but at the same time we will see that um, if, if this uh, continues for a prolonged period of time um, these smcg companies may not be very well put to survive this uh, at the same time i would say stuff like uh, zoom is an excellent example it's, and the, the longer this lasts the better it is for zoom but at the same time you could apply this to let's say 
it's a the gaming industry right a lot of people uh, have a lot more time to spend on streaming or on gaming and stuff like this so uh, the longer this lasts i think the the more beneficial it is for you know people in the gaming industry um, people in the streaming services so it, it's it's a complex set of winners and losers that and the key you know deciding factor here is whether or not you can scale down or you know scale up in the case of the gaming industry if required and we've seen you know, even in the digital realm these streaming services are not operating at their optimum best because just so much uh, so much demand has come in uh, over the recent times so we've seen hotstar and netflix are lowering their lowering their uh, bandwidth so we'll see how these companies go but i i really think that if you if you digital you can scale up or down quickly it's going to be a lot easier for you compared to if you're let's say a car manufacturer Yeah, I'm quite disappointed that I didn't buy that PlayStation when I really wanted to. Now I'm stuck. You got to make sure investments work for you, Manoj. I yeah, that was a, this is a strategic mistake. I mean, I've been talking about it for the last two months, saying I need to now buy that PlayStation, but I still haven't, and now I don't have the option of buying yeah. it. And this is one of the situations where the word "need" actually is like exactly what it yeah, is. Like, you need a PlayStation. Like, <laughs> yes, I would have needed that thing right now. <laughs> But uh, Nishita, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think uh, what Rohan said about you know what's going to happen after is what is going to be more interesting because for Netflix and HBO and all of that, if people are getting so hooked onto streamlining services, then uh, people might have some sort of, uh, some sort of psychological fear of just going to cinema hall or you know just putting in the effort to going to the cinema halls and watching a movie there. Or it can be the other way around too. They will they would have. overdone the whole streaming uh, thing so they will go and watch as many movies as possible because right now bollywood and sandalwood and all of them are going through like thousands of crores of losses because of delayed uh, release dates and no shootings and things like that so i think um, whenever we come out of this it's going to be nice to look at all these angles yeah that's the interesting thing right i mean you know uh, what happens to because everything is going to essentially you you can no longer shoot you can no longer do some of those things so probably a television series will become much longer in terms of how they dramatically stretch a particular episode over five episodes uh, so i presume production <laughs> will change in that sense but yeah i mean in terms of what will happen to the movie industry because if this is prolonged and you can't make those movies uh, you know an entire chain gets hit from actors to people working in sort of uh, movie making to theaters distributors everybody the impact of that will only be felt like 3 4 5 months after the lockdown actually ends because yeah. Yeah. there will not be enough content also to be put out because there will be no new stuff available Yeah. So you know, even if people are willing to go to the cinema halls, there's really nothing there to watch. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have to think of something new, right? That's yeah. I, one more thing. Um, I some sort of similarity, and excuse the metaphor, uh, the analogy I'm going to use because I I'm not one for analogies, but look at let, let's say how this virus operates. Right. We, it targets lungs that are or respiratory systems that are already let's say underdeveloped or or the weak or damaged. Right. A similar impact going to fall through. Going to be felt through industry. So, uh, if you have startups that are, you know, haven't taken off quite yet, or if there's companies that are extremely old and, you know, weak in the in the sense that they're using straws and stuff. So, the the demographic and I know this analogy isn't really working. I can I can feel it as I say it out loud. But the demographic of this virus, uh, in terms of the people it targets and the companies it targets, it targets is sort of similar, right? So, the interesting point about this is that. Once all this is over, once let's say the the lockdown is over, you can bet that certain companies are 
are primed to come out of the stronger because a lot of their competition is going to be there. And Amazon is case in point. I mean, Amazon is currently operating under this lockdown as well. Um, so at the same time, when this is over, a lot of its competition is going to have already suffered. But Amazon, uh, right now the stock price might be low, but Amazon is going to shoot up, right? Because people are going to realize how essential delivery is. And Amazon is the only is the only company that does that with, with the efficiency that it does. So we will see after this lockdown ends that uh, certain companies like Amazon, like just, uh, people, companies who operate within, let's say, the home delivery space are going to shoot up like nothing else. Uh, with that said, I just want to highlight to all our listeners, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, Rohan's stock, stock pricing advice is subject to market risks. Please buy on your own risks. Oh, yes. yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally, Rohan is, is not certified in giving you stock advice. So please uh, use your own thought process. Also, in case you're media. using all things policy as a platform to learn more about stocks, I strongly advise you don't do that. Because <laughs> yes. I'd also like to point out another thing that we have missed about Rohan is uh, how he has not endorsed Cardiac yet. Yes, the oh, I haven't talked about app, uh, We should talk about some of the health app. Right. Yeah, that's the other thing. Right? Health apps should be really, really. Yeah, that's a good point, Shita. I thought it's just an amazing case study, though. Right? Because all of the business model was sort of. It's just. It's just so. Let's say traditional economy, right? There's a proper gym and you just eat fit and there's kiosks that give you stuff up, all of that. It's all very physical, which is managed through an online app. Uh, that's a way for consumers to interact. But you, you see how they have basically pivoted to, to sort of deal better with the virus. You, and sorry about the all the details of culture and I want to throw at you, but basically they've, they've gone from actual gym classes to yeah, live classes and, and the idea is that they're gonna like, design all these workouts through which you can you know cult, cult live at home so you can just uh, open your phone and you know uh, dance on your living room there's a dance fitness session uh, or you could you know do HRX or SNC uh, stuff around your living room so I, I think the way they have adapted to this scenario is just incredibly cool and it's an interesting case study for any any company I imagine who wants to learn from how to deal with a crisis such as this they, but from what I understand, uh, Carl Fitness already had uh, an online component in terms of, you know, train at your home, right? Was that about sending a trainer to your home or was that uh, online virtually? No. So the idea is to basically stream uh, a workout to your home, right? If you have any sort of free space around and you, where you can put your phone and then uh, have your workout done there for 50 minutes, um, cult life was the thing. But it has, the number of sessions has, uh, scaled up quite a lot. Uh, there's a proper schedule. They, they basically transpose the schedule they used to have for the physical sessions and put it on the app for the live sessions. So it's like incredibly user-friendly. It's incredibly natural. I, I know it sounds like a cult endorsement uh, and a lengthy one at that, but just, just use the app. It's a great case study. And if you don't want to use the app, there are other health apps that you can use to work out at home. So I'm sure th- those guys are also making a lot of money out of it right now. Yeah, no, I mean... Uh... I've been trying my level best to try and keep up with a particular platform on YouTube, which I used to follow. Fitness Blender gives you tailored workouts. So, yeah, that's another thing, right? I mean, it, there's a lot of money to be made uh, for companies that are in this particular business. And if they can pivot, like you're saying, Cult is trying to do, then it really works for them, right? Right. All right. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to add? No, I, I think that's it. I mean, pivot, scale down, and don't keep saying the world economy is screwed up, right? No, because that's dangerous. I try, try to add some, some reasoning rationale behind it. 
so that people understand why a particular sector is facing problems uh, because otherwise um, this conversation won't go anywhere okay so the things that we've learned today are that don't think of everything as doom and gloom there are still winners and losers depending on what the model of your business is whether you can scale up scale down and what kind of supply chains do you work with uh, and lastly the most important lesson do not take stock tips from rohan thank you so much thank you so much nishita thank you so much rohan if you liked our show don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy, and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at takshashila inst. और आवर वेबसाइट तक्षशिला.org.in